Well, welcome to an episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Dave Keen, today here with Michael Diaz. Hello, Park Baptist people. So sometimes I call you Michael Diaz Diaz. Yes, sir. Sometimes I call you Michael Andre Diaz. Sometimes I call you Miguelito. Which one do you prefer? I prefer when you call me Michael Diaz Mast. Okay, Michael, <laughs> Michael Diaz Mast. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Michael, why don't you tell us how you came to uh, know the Lord? So I was born um, in Madison, Wisconsin, but I was raised... Wait, wait, wait. You were a cheesehead? So me and you were mm, both cheeseheads? I think by so. By birth? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, this makes my day. It's fantastic, Michael. Yes, sir. So, but we moved to the island when I was about four or five months old. I was now, you raised said island, the island? What, what island are you referring to? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Okay. We went to Puerto Rico. My parents are from there. I'm from there as well. Um, but you're so, really from Wisconsin. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was raised in a Christian household by God's grace. Both my parents are Christians. My mom comes from a very charismatic background. Um, so she does have the fire. Uh, but my dad comes from a Southern Baptist church there in the island. So since I was born, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. Um, but growing up, around 10, 11 years old, my dad was always confronting me with the gospel. And how it started it was because he would ask me questions. What was the sermon about? And I would be blank. I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. So he will always ask me questions, and he was saying me, saying to me, um, Michael, if you don't know what the sermon was about and you don't know what's going on in church, um, you're wasting your time there. Um, you're wasting your time, and not, not only you're wasting your time, but you're making me waste my time by bringing you to church Whoa. if you're not paying attention. So he started to confirm me with the gospel in our house, and that's how I came to understand that not because my parents were Christians that made me Christian. So being in that household, um, my dad coming from a, um, from a very stable house and then having a great position at his job made us like a family in our small town be like considered like wealthy or just considered that we were great people. So I was born into that believing that I was great believing that everything in my life in my life was figured out. So when he started confronting me with the gospel, I started realizing that I didn't have anything figured out. I wanted to have control of my life. I wanted to have control of everything. And I was like, I got this. But in reality, when he started making me questions, sharing the Bible with me, sharing Bible verses, he, he always went to Romans chapter 6 verse 23 and he was like hey by god's grace he's offering you this gift of eternal life through jesus christ so during that time i realized the truth of the gospel and started believing in jesus and started pursuing him of course with my understanding at that time um, but it was all by god's grace that i came to know jesus amen so just how is the church generally on the island you know, is, is there a strong presence of Southern Baptist there? So, I will always tell people jokingly that I was first a Southern Baptist and then a Christian. <laughs> okay. um, and when I was born and when I was raised in a Southern Baptist church, there were about 
40 churches, Southern Baptist churches. Um, and Puerto Rico is divided into small towns or municipalities. There are 78 of them. And there was only like probably in 30 of them a Southern Baptist church. Um, one of my towns being one of them. So in general, it was like type of a fundamentalist Baptist church and not really a strong presence in the whole island. The whole island is more a has a more strong presence of the Pentecostal church. Okay. And they don't have one in every town. They have one in every like subdivision of every town. <laughs> okay. So there are a lot, a lot of Pentecostal churches. Even in my town, there are more than 10 Pentecostal churches, being a small town. Well, you uh, have felt the call to ministry, right? So talk a little bit about your um, your call to ministry and maybe in the midst of your career as a barista, right? Making coffee for the world. Yeah. So when I was about 18, I served at a how old, how, camp. How old are you now? I'm 27. Twenty-seven years old, um, young, years young. <laughs> when I was about eighteen, I started serving at a Christian camp. It's called Camp Caribe, and there, I was mentored by a guy who shared a book with me, and he shared um, "Don't Waste Your Life" by John Piper. So we went through it a little bit, and one of the things that he made clear in my life is that I was wasting my time until that point. Um, I was following Jesus, but I was not serving his local church, and I was not immersed in the local church. So after that summer, um, I started to serve at my local church after that camp. And during that process, I met a guy from San Antonio in that camp as well. And he was the first person about a year from that that told me, Michael, I think you have a pastoral heart and you should pursue the pastoral ministry. Which I replied, no, I don't think so. Um, I think I'm great doing what I'm doing. And at the time, I was doing an undergrad in natural science. So at the, that's the um, that's my bachelor's. I have a bachelor's in natural science with a concentration in biology. And I was doing that to pursue a medical degree. Um, but during that time, by my friend insisting and persisting and, hey, you should actually go to seminary. And pursue um, ministry. Um, I decided to do that after the third year of college. I understood that the Lord was leading me to that through my local church as my pastor back home. He told me, Michael, I think you should be one of our pastors in in, in the next time. Um, so I think I think you you need to be ready. You need to get prepared, get trained, and I want you to be one of our associate pastors. Um, so he told me at the time that the church didn't have any money to pay me to be one of their pastors. So he told me, just keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, I'm fine doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I will be going to seminary. And that's when I started to go to Southwestern. Um, and I had only one year left under my undergrad. So I started a master's in Southwestern. Um, and that's how the Lord started to steer my heart to pastoral ministry, the church, um, opening the doors for me to do pastoral things in the church. And they allowed me to teach them. They allowed me to guide them in some ways. And they allowed me to just care for them overall. And it was a very sweet, sweet time. 
So how in the world do you go from Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, to Rock Hill, South Carolina? That's a great question for the doctor, <laughs> David Benson King. But um, I will say that in the past year, at the beginning of the year in January, um, seeing that the Lord was leading me and kept leading me to pastoral ministry um, and having some of those conversations with my pastor back home, um, I was seeing that we were not kind of like moving towards pastoral ministry. We were just doing what we were doing. I wasn't being trained in some areas that I wanted to be trained. Um, so I told him, I think I'm going to leave this church soon just to be trained and equipped in somewhere so that I can pursue ministry, which he agreed. And he told me that he was all for that. And he, he told me that he gave me everything he had. So he actually told me, I've given you everything and there are some things that I cannot give you. So I think you should go to somewhere else where they can actually give you some things that I don't have. And that was in January. So we started a process of transition in January. I didn't know where I was going to land. So we were just praying and I was serving as a youth leader. And also I was leading worship for that church. So we started a process of starting to um, put some other people in leadership and transitioning from that. And during the summer, as I was serving with um, San Relief in Puerto Rico, um, I met you and I met Victor. You guys went to visit Addy and Casey for the summer. So I met you guys there, talked to Victor for a little bit. And that was, I think, a Friday. And then on Sunday, you came up to me and you said, Michael, why don't you come to Rock Hill and visit us for two weeks? Which I reply, yes, I'm, I'm down for that. I, I can go. So I was already um, committed to do a pastoral residency or a church planting residency for a year, but I was still undecided where I was going to do that. So I think your smile, your hug, and just inviting me here and spending that time, that's how I... I'm not sure it. if I ever told you this, but we were at service, and then right after the service ended, I went to Victor and said, Victor, you go talk to him. You go get his number. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you convince him to come to Rock Hill. Uh, we, we have been delighted. One of the best uh, investments we've made. Um, well, you tell me, uh, how do you enjoy uh, being at Park Baptist Church? So someone asked me recently if this time has been encouraging since I got here. Actually, it was um, this Friday. Someone asked me, have this time been encouraging for you? And I replied, yes, absolutely. Because coming from my church, I was... And I'm sorry, I didn't reply to one of your questions earlier. You asked me about barista yeah. and coffee industry. I was working in the coffee industry. I worked there for four years. And having that job and working towards having my own business as a barista and my own coffee shop um, and giving coffee courses and all that things, um, I was kind of getting burnt out. So I was working as a barista in the coffee industry. I was working in ministry and doing the masters in theological studies at the same time. And there were some things at my local church that I was trying to do and get done. Um, so during all that time, I was like getting tired. So when I came here, it was such a relief. Yeah. I just came here, showed up, 
and I always tell this to Victor, but it was like some of the things that I had read in some books, I started seeing them and was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to look like. Oh, this is how you do church. Oh, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. So it was such a relief that some people are doing some things that I wanted to do and wanted to see in the local church and I was not seeing. So that was a huge relief for me. And it was a period of like refreshment for my for my soul. And it has been very encouraging as people have always been steering me up to love and to good works with one another. I'm always yeah. thinking of that passage in Hebrews 10 that you're always quoting yeah. and that you're always saying how we should be steering one another for love and good works. And that's why I've experienced in these times. So that's been great. Well, tell us a little bit about you know, how the Mass family has particularly stirred you up to love and good works, right? I know that they have been huge encouragements to our body, yep. selling their house and buying a house so that they could have pastoral residents stay with them and even staying with them for, you know, about a year now, right? Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah, so talk, talk a little about your, your relationship with uh, Dan and Kathy. Yeah, I love them. Um, when I was... When I talk or mention my mentor a little bit ago from San Antonio, he was one of the persons that actually showed me how biblical hospitality should look like. So when I came to the mass household, I was not expecting that level of biblical hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they have been great in every sense of the word. I am so grateful for them and they have steered me to great love and be thankful for what they've done. But specifically, they have shown me how that works because they have wanted to serve me. Like in this time that you mentioned, it has been almost a year, a year now. They had made sure that I'm that I feel welcome, that I feel part of them, of that family, of that household. Even something simple that happened once. And um, I haven't shared this with I haven't shared this with a lot of people. But something that Miss Kathy did was like, I was putting my stuff in my groceries in the garage in a party that they had like a, a small um, space. So I was putting all my stuff there as I was doing groceries and stuff. And <laughs> I came to the house once and she took, he had taken everything out of there and put it in the kitchen actually. And she told me, you're never gonna put anything back there. Like this is your kitchen, you just use everything here. So that's the way that I've seen them like serving me and they're not expecting anything from me. But of course, that has steered me to good works in their house. So that's a way that I see their hospitality, not asking anything from me. I have never heard them saying, Michael, you need to do these things so that you can stay here. It has been no, how can we serve you so you can have a, a great stay at this place? So mm. of course, that has steered me to do good works in their house and serve them in gratitude. So I think that's been great. Well, praise God. Well, it's been a sweet relationship to see, right? Yep. You know, your your relationship with them. And really, you've been a huge blessing to us in the body, right? You know, a wonderful translator. Uh, but you're always around people, encouraging them, smiling, right? Kind of working behind the scenes. <clears throat> Someone who is uh, bilingual, kind of working both in the English and the Spanish side, more connected to the Spanish side, you know, week, week in and week out, and yet involved in our staff conversations, Maybe you want to speak a little bit to the, the uniqueness of being bilingual in a bilingual church and, you know, your experience and the, maybe some of the challenges and the joys of that. 
yeah, I think it, it has been great. And I think I feel very privileged because of the Lord has allowed me by his mercy again um, to know both languages. Um, I think English better than Spanish. My Spanish is a dialect or something, something weird. Um, but I think I'm in a very privileged place because, like you mentioned, I can just kind of wing around both sides and just serve both people and also see um, how the church comes together as one to love one another. And just being able to be a part of that has been great. It has been very, very encouraging. So I think one of the challenges has been that sometimes finding that place in how much time should I be here or there or how can I serve better these people or how can I be better connector between between both sides yeah. because what that's one of the things that I really want to do I want to serve both ends in saying hey um, these people are thinking this way or these other people are thinking this way how can I better link them together to serve one another and to show the great love that both both sides have for for each of them because what that's one of the sweet things that I can see I can see the English side loving the Spanish side and I think one of the challenges for the Spanish speakers is that they don't actually see that sometimes because they're not aware in how it's happening yeah. and it happens the other way around how the Spanish speakers are loving onto the English side or the English speakers and they're probably not seeing it because they don't understand them yeah but I can be looking at that and seeing how wonderful that is and being able to share that then with them on like hey look what these people are, are thinking or are saying like that's very encouraging for me yeah one of the challenges i think in just church life in general especially of a church of a decent size like you know get into a mid-sized church like ours is who and how often do i invest in certain people right mm -hmm. because you always want more time you want more relationships mm -hmm. with more people so you want to have but the only way you can really develop depth of relationship is with time Right, mm -hmm. and if you're spread so thin and yep. your coat's so spread out, sometimes it's hard to develop the depth that you want. Um, well, right now, life at the church. What's most encouraging to you? Something that has been very encouraging to me um, is that I can see people asking that same question. I can see people. I was talking to someone um, past Sunday in our bilingual service, and I heard a couple of people asking that same question. What has been something encouraging in the recent weeks? And that was very encouraging for me because people, people, um, what I've seen lately in this church is that people are looking for ways to encourage one another. And I've seen people encouraging one another, um, like in so many different ways. Something that happened recently is that Mr. Mast, Dan Mast, went to Josue's house to fix something that was um, not good. I don't even know what was going on. It's some electrical things. Yeah, yeah but... Mr. Dan went there, fixed it, and Josue sent me a picture of him fixing that. And I was like, man, that's so sweet. And he was like, he did a great job. Like, we're so thankful. And just seeing those little things happening, um, it has been very encouraging to me. Also, when Josue was moving um, to that place, north side, seeing how the church responded so, so quickly to serve someone, to be able to serve that need. Not also, not only that, but also when he moved there, he had people over 
so fast in his house and he was already serving people and welcoming people to his new place so that has been something very encouraging to me amen well how can we be praying for you right now michael um so many ways so many ways but i'm gonna highlight probably two of them um i'll be traveling to puerto rico soon um with my girlfriend yeah um to visit family and friends there and my old church so praying for that for that trip that it will be encouraging for the church and also for some friends that i'm trying to as well um, encourage in their spiritual life um so praying for that trip not only to be a time of rest and saying hi to family but also how can we encourage people on the island that are trying to do ministry so i'm really looking forward for those opportunities and how i can serve my people yeah. and do it well so that's one and another one is for next year upcoming year as we're in the second part of the residency going to preaching so for the lord to help us be faithful to his word amen let's pray for your friend amen. father thank you so much for michael who he is and how you've used him in the life of our body for his constant encouragement for his joy that he just brings to every room he enters father we thank you for his servant's heart um, his glad service heart uh, servant's heart god we do pray for his trip to puerto rico with um uh, with Jamima, we pray it's a sweet time uh, is to be able to encourage um, uh, the church there, be able to encourage and stoke them to follow Christ, to love and good works. We do pray that, that uh, it would also be a sweet time of rest, just to be able to be with family and laugh and, and be together. We pray for next year, God, as you're continuing to shift uh, Michael from more studying uh, to more practical ministry. We pray you bless every time he gets a chance to teach and handle your word. And that you would continue just to expand his influence in the life of our body uh, so that we can benefit from the gifts you've given him. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for um, the Mass family, even thinking about them, how they've cared for him. We pray that that relationship would continue to be sweet. And this is a sweet reflection to our congregation of what the, the gospel impact uh, can do in, in a family's life. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much uh, for Michael and all that you've done in his life. We pray your grace would be upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.